Hi, my name is Theo, and you are listening to Between Two Trains. We bring you the best and brightest entrepreneurs in the North DeKalb area on the 1st and 15th of every month. Today, your co-hosts are Van Pappas and Eric Most. And now, Between Two Trains. Welcome to another Between Two Trains. My name's Van Pappas, your host, and my co-host today again, Eric Most. That's right. <laughs> Here we we joke flesh. we joke a lot about Eric's last name. Eric's with Chase Bank. Uh, Eric, any new developments at Chase? I think last uh, episode you mentioned we talked a little bit about the some of the changes in the way the local branches look, and they're much more geared towards fast automated type of system. Building new branches, yeah. um, not just here in Georgia. There's 25 going in in Georgia, but. By the end of the year, we'll be in Nashville, Tennessee. That's exciting. And you mainly just help the business owners. You're not on the retail side, right? You're you're helping uh, business owners with their banking needs. Yep. I'm a bit of a moving target. Go all over the state, some into the southeast. So if we have a business owner listening to the podcast today and they need a loan, would they come to you? Yep, uh, privately held companies between one and fifty million, and top line gross revenue on the business side is is where I work, and I'm happy to talk to anybody at any time. Well, let's bring on our guest today. Uh, we have today with us Mallory Atkinson with um, Sheer Structural. Mallory, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Okay, and so what I like Eric about having Mallory is you know we've been doing these podcasts here at 3411 Coworking for quite a while now. Uh, big props to Margaret and what she's created here in downtown Chambly. And Mallory actually is a tenant here at 3411 uh, Coworking. So let's, let's start off with first telling us about uh, Sheer, what exactly y'all do. We're, we're not talking about cutting hair here. Right? <laughs> no, <laughs> though I do get a lot of haircutting catalogs in our mailbox. <laughs> uh, is that because of the name? Yeah, because of the name Sheer. The yep, Sheer. Exactly. So yes. Sheer Structural, tell Shear us what structural. it is. Sheer Structural is an all-women-owned uh, commercial structural engineering practice located here, and we serve 11 states throughout the southeast. I assume no uh, sheep catalogs come your way? No, no sheep catalogs. For sheep sheep yeah, shearing? Not, not, no sheep shearing, no. <laughs> and so why Shambly? Why 3411 co-working? Uh, we, when the three partners, um, we were looking at a location. We wanted, obviously, something central to us. MARTA was really important in terms of hiring for future, especially for millennials. Uh, there's a lot of data out there that shows that they want options other than driving a car. So we kind of started looking at the MARTA, the MARTA line. And so, and then in between us was this location. And Shambly has a lot of amazing things happening in it and great restaurants, lots of really cool boutiques, lots of other small businesses. So that it helps just, you with your hiring is having those amenities around. of course yeah it's just having that character that like nice city character because mm-hmm. we knew we weren't going to be in the city and so for us this was kind of the next best thing and um so yeah being on marta was a huge deal for us we looked at both brookhaven and Chambly, and honestly the um city of Chambly economic development folks were really great and helpful in in getting us here to this space at 
2011. And then, of course, as soon as we met Margaret, because I think that was like October of 2017, um, and Margaret had just opened in September of 2017, so she had just been open a little over a month. And we came here, fell in love with the location, being close to Marta, fell in love with Margaret. The space is amazing. And it just really kind of fit all those needs, like co-working. We were only two months old, and so for us it was like – Everything's taken care of, your mail, the break room, coffee, all that stuff is taken care of. So it was just, it was really great. And we get to support another female business owner. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second because uh, Eric and I have realized from doing this show for a while now, uh, actually, we're coming up on a year and a half of this show, that we, by no fault or, or not by design, have ended up with a lot of female entrepreneurs. So, you are a wholly owned female business. 100% female owned and managed. Okay. And so tell us a little bit about that challenge, if there was any, uh, starting a company a, as a female. And, um, and do you feel, going a little bit further, that there is some credibility that Chambly is kind of unique and that we do have a lot of female entrepreneurs. Yeah, I'll actually start there. So there's amazing data that came out of Pew Research, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with sure. that research, yeah. um, that Shambly, and it doesn't have to do with business owners, but that the women who live in Shambly make more than the men. And it's yeah. only one of seven we've cities. De we've debated that on this <laughs> show before. Um, and it's a, a fascinating statistic. It's and, really interesting. And it's really something that we should be shouting to the world to let people know yes. if you're a female you can do very successful here if you're a female entrepreneur. I'm not 100% sure how accurate that particular statistic yeah, is. Yeah, that one. Because we, we do have a large ethnic group that is, in my opinion, underpaid. Mm -hmm. And that could be skewing that data. But taking that off the table and just talking about being a woman entrepreneur... Um, we do have, are you part of, we have a little group here of women entrepreneurs in Chambly. Yeah, it's called The Village. Yeah. Yes. You're yeah, part of that? Part, yeah, part of that. Yeah, I attend their meetings when I can. So it's really great. And I think as women, we just like to help support each other. That's just something that we naturally do. And so it's really great to have that organization. When we started the company, we weren't specifically looking to start an all-women-owned engineering firm. It just kind of happened that way. Um, but as soon as we started, we got this amazing feedback because we are the only in the state of Georgia. And we didn't even realize that until you start going through the data and researching it. And you're like, wow, there's no other all-women-owned structural engineering firms in the entire state and very few in the country. And so it just gives us an edge. And we see it as an opportunity. It's never been a challenge for us. I was going to ask. Yeah. You don't feel like there's, there's no been, been no pushback. No pushback. In fact, we when we first started, almost every conversation was like, oh my gosh, how can I support you? And that came from both men and women. So it was women who were just so proud of us and they were like, I'm going to live vicariously through you and I'm so proud that you guys can do this and do wonderful things. And the male side was just like, whatever we can do to help. We want to see people like you succeed. So it's just, it was there and the opportunity is there. So do you think it's just a matter of that this particular industry, there just, it wasn't appealing to women before and not necessarily that men were stamping down any ability for a woman to get ahead in this industry? Well, generally in engineering, roughly 
20 to 22 percent. Yeah, so it's mainly male. So 20 percent of, of women who enter engineering in college are uh-huh. women. 20 percent of people are women. And so the rest are men. However, at, if you look at the licensure rate, that's more like 10 percent. So as women progress in their careers as engineers, they just either they don't get licensed, which, you know, then doesn't allow you to open a company or move, you know, progress in your career. And so there's all these things that happen in that kind of first five to 10 years of a female engineer's career path. And so that's really what needs to be looked at, that trajectory in order to get women into leadership roles and ownership roles. So it's what happens there, which is engineering traditionally this industry isn't very flexible so it's hard to have family and you know be a female in engineering um, typically again all the owners are male they're typically older so it's just there's sort of this disconnect uh, with a lot of different things but we're hoping to change that so obviously your schooling was in engineering while you were going through school did you have the desire to say hey when I get done with school uh, you know I want my own business I want to be an entrepreneur or was it, hey, I'm going to go work for someone else and just get a paycheck? And <laughs> Actually, my my schooling is not in engineering. It's not? It's not. I am the non-engineering partner. So my two partners are engineers. Okay. My degree is in construction. Okay. And so I've worked at an engineering company in marketing and business development. So I was introduced to engineering through like the sales and marketing side of it. Okay. And then I left and went to the tech startup world because I thought I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And I was like, this is a great place to test my chops. Working for a startup. You know, you're marketing something that doesn't exist. You're getting equity at a company, so you have a little bit of sweat equity. You feel that ownership, and so I got that's a little. The way they entice you. Yeah, that's so. Yeah, <laughs> and I knew that. You know, you take a pay cut, but it was really fun. And so I, I learned through that experience that I was like, I'm meant to be an entrepreneur, and so just needed to find, just needed to find my path. You're no stranger to engineers because you're a Georgia Tech grad. Right? That's right. Yes, I did go to Georgia Tech. So, I, and I work with engineers every single day, and I can talk about it enough to be dangerous. But I don't practice MBA in marketing. MBA in marketing from okay. Georgia State. Mm-hmm. So now it's starting to come queer to me, <laughs> you know, how, how this occurred. And then you jumped into construction, another field that off the top of your head you think is probably it's dominated, dominated by men. Male yes, yes, field. even more so. So in, the, in, in construction, less than 10% of, of construction is, is What did you female. do when you were doing that? I worked for um, a, just a general contractor doing like site superintendent. I did not do that for very long, so that was just like not even two years but yeah. I learned that that's not what I wanted to do sure so and you like to do construction and to be out in the field every day you have to love it yeah you have to love it so I traded my you know boots in for heels yeah and my <laughs> wife did construction for a half a second <laughs> and the same she yeah. said the same thing yeah all right so We've got, what, roughly around 10 employees? Yeah, we have eight employees, eight eight full-time, and two part-time. Okay. And what's the... And these are all engineers, or some of those employees doing other... All of all for all of our full time besides me, so seven of them are engineers. Are engineers mm-hmm, correct? And what's the the male to female ratio there? We are more than fifty percent female. More than fifty yeah. percent. So we not only said, "Hey, we're going to be a woman owned run company," but we're going. Do you? I mean, is that it? part of the decision making I mean, or part of it it's not necessarily you know we're it's it not like happens. it just happens that way i think again because we're one of the only ones we tend to attract more female engineers to our staff They'll say hey i can go to them and feel exactly. comfortable about being an engineer in exactly world. but really it's more about just having diversity i mean again it's not something where we're trying to target only female engineers we want as diverse of a staff as possible because and that's diverse in age that's diverse
diverse in gender, that's diverse in ethnicity, you know, whatever we can get, because that just gives us unique perspective on the business and helps us be more sustainable. So let's now change the conversation to the startup of this. Uh, go through and walk through what that was like, you know, how it was funded, um, some of that stuff. We, we, we have Eric here for that part of the conversation to sort of look at how each of these entrepreneurs that come on the show, you know, how they get started. Do they pull money out of their pocket? Do they hit up their, you know, family? How was Sheer formed? Yeah, so we started in back in August of 2017, so it hasn't quite been yet two years. And we each pulled money out of our pocket. So we had, I went through the numbers, and it was like, okay, we each need to come to the table with this amount of money. Some of us took loans. Some of us were able just to cover that ourselves. Um, and so we self-financed. And then, you know, probably six months, seven months of no paychecks, you know, and, you know, finally, but we were, you know, getting money, earning money out of the business. I think on day one, we wrote 11 proposals. So, you know, when you write 11 proposals on day one, you're like, I think we did something right. And then by the end of the first month, um, you know, we had built like 20 projects. So it was kind of off to the races from the get go. So we were able to, you know, pull in that financing pretty easily. And so continuing with the conversation around financing, now uh, that we're past that first seven months, you're taking a paycheck now finally, um, what going forward does Shear look like as far as any expansion or, you know, is there a need to do that or we're sort of at a capacity now? Yeah, I mean, for us... Um you know, again, the three partners lived through the recession, which hit our industry particularly hard. And so it's not something that we ever want to kind of live through again, or at least, you know, our businesses, like the companies that we were at having to go through layoffs and um, just not a great time in the industry. So we're tr just trying to be really smart with our capital, um, which means not expanding too quickly. Uh, we definitely want to grow, obviously. Building a little war chest. Yes, exactly. Um, you know, cash flow really is the most important thing. And that was something that we saw before, you know, wasn't always taken as priority. Um, so that's something that we definitely focus heavily on. But again, you know, we want to grow the company that gives our, our team much better opportunities, but we want to be smart with our growth. So not growing too quickly and then just taking opportunities as they come. So, I mean, we have definitely room to grow right now. We have, you know, more clients and projects than probably we can handle, but we're having a lot of fun doing it. And we're using our contract part-time staff, you know, where we can to kind of meet those ebbs and flows. And we'll probably have, one to two more people on board this year. And then again, just sort of taking that year by year to see where our growth is. Let's talk is. about those clients you just mentioned. Sure. So what is the ideal customer or client? Who are we talking about? Are we talking about the architects yeah. that you're going mm -hmm. to? Are they the ones that are coming and saying, hey, we need to hire you? Yeah, so the majority, probably 80 to 85% of our clients are architects. And that's architects in many different industries, healthcare, education, commercial, retail, uh, lots of different architects. So we work mainly directly for architects. Okay, so that means the projects could vary from something really small mm -hmm. to, you know, I mean, what's like a large project that you might... So Can right now, mm -hmm. yeah. So there? right now, we're working on an eighty million dollar adult detention center out in Paulding County. So that's a large project. But then we're also working on like, like a brewery. I like that. <laughs> you understand what she just said? Adult 
detention that's the, center. That's the, you know, that's oh, the official. Oh, is that the politically correct Yeah, that's correct the politically correct, correct. Yeah, adult detention center. We can't just call it a jail anymore? Yeah, no, it's not called jails. It's not called They're not called jail jails. Penitentiary. Penitentiary. Yeah, no, it's not adult a penit- penit- detention. adult detention center. Mm-hmm. It yeah. sounds like a spa. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Adult somebody, somebody, it is not about, a spa. I will when, tell you that. Not you, a spa. When she said that, I had to think about, is she talking about like, a, you know, a dog park or what? <laughs> um, $80 million. $80 million adult detention center, and, yeah. And so that would be on the high end, and mm-hmm. then what would be something on the small end? Like, uh, uh, like 3411 co-working, we want to you know punch a hole in this wall to make a window. Okay. You know, I mean, we'll do stuff like stuff that. Stuff small yeah, as that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Interesting. Yeah. And Primarily commercial? All commercial. All commercial. Yeah, all commercial. Okay. So, And then we work a little bit with contractors and developers, and then some directly for institutions like Georgia Tech or Georgia State. So since you're on the business side of this, I'm assuming that you are the one that's trying to drum up the new relationships with whether it's an architect or a developer or whatnot. Is yeah, that- that's part of my role. That's really part of the three of our partners. As mm-hmm. partners, that's part of all of our roles. Um, since they're the ones that are doing the work, it's very important, for obviously, for them to have a wonderful working relationship and for our clients to trust them. And so a lot of times it's just, you know, can I find a new opportunity or keep an eye out for a new market that, you know, might be profitable or might be interesting or we might have a good resume for. So that's what I'm doing, that work on the front end. So let's talk about that a little because your, your, your marketing is vastly different than anything that we've talked with our previous guests mm-hmm. uh, as far as how they market, whether mm-hmm. it's, you know, a retailer that's marketing, you know, sales of products or whether it's someone in the service profession like myself who might be using social media, you know, how exactly are you marketing your company? I mean, what's the process there? Yeah, so as a service provider, I mean, we're doing a lot of the same thing. So social media is really big for us. It is? Yeah, it is. Okay. And then we have different target groups for what we're trying to do. So right now, hiring is very extremely difficult in our industry because, again, the recession hit that sort of mid-tier manager level really hard and lots of people left the industry. So Oh, and we're at historic low unemployment Unemployment, yeah. That doesn't help either. There's no one out there. Yeah, and then... as a structural engineer, you typically have a master's degree. So I'm looking for somebody that has two degrees. I mean, I, you know, I'm looking for a very specific person. Um, so we use a lot of our marketing to attract new talent. Um, most of it is just to sort of continue. It's kind of like an integrated marketing, marketing approach where we just try to make sure that our clients just remember that we're there. We're kind of lucky in that many structural engineers just don't market what they do ever. Um, if they're on social media, maybe they post a couple times a year. You know, we're posting weekly, sometimes daily on Twitter. Um, so I really use those channels to not only talk about what we're doing, but engage with our clients. I mean, architects are all over Instagram. I mean, they they show their work beautifully on Instagram. So right. it's what a great way for me just to, even if I'm not even you know, commenting on what they do, but I'm also, I'm just, you know, I'm like, Hey, when I see them at the next networking event or at a continuing education, I'm like, Oh my gosh, that was a, such a cool project, you know, kudos. Um, but yeah, social media, email, direct mail. I love direct mail. Really? It's my secret weapon. It's not very secret, but wow. so how, how yeah. do you, a, do a you, millennial saying that yeah, you direct mail, but it has to be 
purposeful. You, I was going to say, you, it's very targeted. Very, extremely targeted, and it has to serve a purpose, and it has to surprise and delight. And so that's what it has to do. What would be, where would you get a, a targeted list from? I mean, is there a source for stuff? That would like that? be our own list that oh, I create. List. Yeah, okay. that I create. So yeah, I don't not, buy lists. You're mm-hmm. not going and saying, hey, I need a list of architects no. and, uh, you know, three or Luckily, three. we don't need to do that. You yet. don't need to do yeah. that. Yeah. It's more personalized. Very personal. I mean, it will, you know, still might be like over a thousand um, letters to go out. But for example, every year we send out Valentine's Day cards. And it's Valentine's Day cards that are design, engineering, architecture, and design themed. And it's we send a pack of Valentine's Day cards for our clients to use in their offices. So they're all really funny and that's interesting. Yeah, sure that's the it. holiday. No, I, I get yeah. it. You know, for your business, no Christmas that holiday cards. None. is much more important than exactly. Thanksgiving or Christmas, or maybe even than the. You know, for me, birthdays are are big as a financial yeah. planner. You know. Yeah. Why be lost in the clutter around the holidays yeah. when hardly anybody sends out anything for, for Valentine's. Valentine's Day? And what a great like way that. to yeah. As so that's a, what we as do. A marketer, I love that. Every, everybody knows love. You yeah. Know? Exactly. And not everybody celebrates Christmas or Thanksgiving. You know. Yeah. And but it's just we can be funny, like a lot of. <laughs> and and it's really important that you structure your Valentine's Day. Today right. is actually my foundation, birthday. or it's going to be a flop. Is it really? Yeah, today's my birthday. Well, oh, happy you didn't birthday. send me a birthday card, Eric. Happy birthday. Well, Van LinkedIn let me know that. You can connect by searching Van Do, you, do, do y'all use LinkedIn? Is yes. Is that a, yes. a good resource? It is a good resource, again, for hiring. And then just sharing. We do a lot of stuff in the uh, uh, for kids in STEM, and so it's a great opportunity for us to share what we're doing nice. there. Well, we are up at our break. We need to take a short uh, break to hear from our sponsors. And when we come back, we'll play our ever-fun game, Hot or Not. Do you want to know the seven biggest retirement blunders that people make with their money? Go to OxygenFinancial.net and get our free retirement guide and learn how to take control of your retirement plan here in 2019. Blunder number two has to do with the government and taxes. And blunder number four is something important to do with all of your IRA accounts. Worst of all is blunder number three. Go to OxygenFinancial.net right now to get your free seven biggest retirement blunders guide and get your 2019 off to the right financial start. Welcome back to Between Two Trains. Uh, we have been talking with Mallory Atkinson from Sheer Structural. If When you get finished listening to this great interview, go back and listen to some of our previous guests. You can hear them on our website at betweentwotrains.com. Or if you're in the car, just pull up your favorite podcasting app. We're on just about all of them. So, Eric, we're going to play Hot or Not. I'll take the first one. Uh, Mallory, so there are three of y'all. All right. Y'all are no way related, correct? Nope. No way related. All right. So we've thrown this out a number of times. Being married to an entrepreneur. Hot. I only have to say that because my husband is an entrepreneur. He's also an entrepreneur. <laughs> yes. So yes. we got two A-type personalities yes. here. Mm-hmm. And that works. Yes. So far. <laughs> so far. I don't know. It's been what almost is, 10 what years. Is, what does he do? Uh, he is working on opening a boutique bottle shop. Like uh, uh Wine and liquor, mm-hmm. that wine kind of and liquor, shop? yeah, yeah, okay. that kind of here in Shambly. Uh, not here in Shambly, oh, no, on. in Atlanta, yeah, okay. yeah. Right. We'll, give them a break. <laughs> we'll give them a break. So, being married to an entrepreneur is hot. Would your two partners say the same thing? Uh, yeah, they would probably agree. Yeah. yeah, we get a mixed review on that question. Sometimes people think sometimes it's, hot. it's hot, sometimes yeah, <laughs> it's hot. You never know. So you're branding the company, you're building the company, employee uniforms, 
as you go out and present, is that something that's hot or not? Hot, uh, but I'd say it doesn't always have to be like the uh, you know same uniform. Like not everyone has to wear the same thing. You, you have an actual company uniform. We have like polo shirts, polo shirts, yeah, that with are our branded. yeah, and and jackets, and everybody has like we even have socks, and we've got lots of stuff. So socks, yeah, branded socks, yeah. I like it. Wow. So. Yeah, exactly. But it's got to be good quality because, again, you want something that people want to wear do, all the is, time. Do architects and developers have more of a casual feel to them as uh, opposed to someone in financial planning where if I'm going in a meeting, I want to look professional, you know, maybe wear a suit or a sports coat. So developers like are definitely going to always have your suit or sport coat they on. Are yes. Yeah. They for sure. The architects might be in jeans. Architects are going to be in jeans and you know, something very trendy. So, but for us, it's mainly when we go out on job sites, it's just a good thing to remind people because there's a lot, usually a lot of consultants there. So there's other engineers there. Right. So it's just a good thing to. That way you stand out. Exactly. They know who you are. And our they, color is bright green. Not so, some, you know. some guy that just came off the street. Yeah. Branded hard hats. You know, right. we got the whole. You have branded hard hats? Yeah. Oh man, I got to get a branded hard hat. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. How can I buy one of those? <laughs> Next time we're at the pool, I'm going to wear my sheer structural branded hard hat. <laughs> Safety first, man. That's Safety right. First. That's right. When I go off the dive board, right? Exactly. <laughs> All right. So um, another hot or not, we've got eight, nine employees, you said, 10 employees, um, sharing financials with your employees. You know, we've asked this question a number of times, and so how much do you let them dig into what y'all are doing so i definitely think that's something that's hot uh, we try to be as transparent as possible in sharing profitability data revenue data even sometimes collection days collections data because they need to know the state of the company as a small company i mean i want them to feel like they have as much you know responsibility you know to help helping us win more work, making the jobs more profitable. I mean, they have, they're a huge component of that. And so they don't, how do the, how in the world can they contribute to that if they don't know that? And plus they're engineers, they love numbers and yeah. they love data. And so anything else that we can give them that helps them have better data, they love it. So I got two follow on questions to that. One is we've had people say, oh, I don't like giving that out because as soon as I gave it out, my employees thought I was making all this money. But what I like about your answer is the collections. Um, I don't know that most entrepreneurs, Eric, uh, you know, will think about that. It's one thing to say, here's my P&L, and look, we're making X amount of profit. But, oh, by the way, we got all this money sitting over here that we haven't been able to collect yet. And that's affecting cash flow. Yeah, I mean, it's so that's an important. That's a hugely important metric, and we shared that number at the very beginning. You know, we had again. I sort of mentioned it earlier. We started so strong. I mean, we had our first month. We were billing clients, had work. We were we were going gangbusters, but we didn't collect on like more than ten percent of what we build in the first six months. What's what's the normal time frame on a on a project? Typically one twenty to one sixty. Okay. So that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. Very um long. very long time. It's a industry epidemic, I would call it. Um so why do you think that is? because uh, typically we go through architect so we're at the bottom of the food chain, right? And then we build to an architect. Architect 
sometimes bills directly to the developer, sometimes they go to a contractor, and then the contractor goes to the developer, and then the developer so has time, to wait for the bank. <laughs> so, by, so by the time the bank, so by the time the everybody's and, and got so thirty days, so you know, and so it just like all that takes all that takes time, and it just trickles down to us. Sure. And so, really, our our industry should be doing better at getting retainers, but you know that was Is not there much of a default with payments. Oh yes, yeah. Typically, we budget like ten percent. Okay. For bad debt, That's why um, a lot of folks went away in the recession. Probably, yeah. I mean, it was it was it was huge. So, um, so yeah. So it was it was important for our team to see, even though we were working so hard, you know, we were going gangbusters. That even in the first six months, hey, we had built all this work, but we had only collected like fifty thousand dollars. So the owners were still floating the co- that what that meant was the owners were still floating the company and so those are just things that we want them to know about like this is it's a problem in the industry this is why certain decisions can't be made um, and so we talk about that often in terms of growing a business being a partner in a company is it hot or not to have a mentor oh hot of course yeah i think you need mentors for lots of different things um, what kind did of you have when you started? Oh did yeah, you have one. Yeah, I have I have uh, a number of different mentors. One um, business owner, completely different type of business, but he grew his company from nothing to 150 million. So you know, great resource there. I have another um, mentor, and she is trying to start a business, but she had had gone through six successful startups. So she was from the tech side and she's in um, people management. So she has a great perspective on people. I mean, I've, I've used my whole network to find mentors for different things, but I think we can, even though we're, you know, might not be in the same industry, we can take things from other industries and learn and from them. And that was them. my question, because it's such a niche. Mm-hmm. And being the only women-owned, women-managed structural engineering firm in the whole state. Yeah, you got to look elsewhere. The pool, the pool of uh, mentors that overlap is pretty small, mm-hmm. maybe even non-existent. Yeah. So, but you answered it. You get both people in the industry, mm-hmm. and then also people who have done something similar in a different industry. Yeah, that's right. Just people cool. for for lots of different things, and because again, we've all been through this in some form, shape. I mean, it's it's business. You know, this the same things apply. And again, cash is king. I mean, all those things still apply to our business. Mm-hmm. We just look at it through a different lens. And so, if you can learn from something that somebody else did, it's great. Do you? We've we've been pretty fortunate in this country the last decade of having a lot of prosperity do you see anything on the horizons where you know not maybe not necessarily as strong as 2008 but where you're saying yeah we do need this war chest because you know something's coming yeah you know all the the yield curve inversion there's lots of indicators both positive and negative, that something is coming. I don't think it'll be anything like the Great Recession. I obviously hope it won't be anything like the Great Recession. I don't think it'll affect our industry like it affected the Great Recession. Just the financing just isn't there. Like just the way that the financing was structured just Mm -hmm. doesn't exist like it did back then. Um, So, I mean, I'd say probably next year we'll see a slowdown, but that's not a terrible thing. I mean, if anything, it's more like a correction because right now it's just construction costs are soaring, you know, labor, all these labor shortages. It's really difficult anyways. So it wouldn't be a terrible thing for it to just slow down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it's not if, it's when. Yeah, I, I definitely Although agree. I'm not quite sure there's going to be any slowdown in housing anytime soon. There's just such demand there. I know we're building a lot of well, multifamily. 
Yeah, but the, even the multifamily, you know, they just like the rental rates just kind of hit their peak and they, now they're coming back down yeah. per square foot. So, you know, all those kind of signs are, I mean, again, the finance, again, it's, a, it's all about the bankers yeah. and the financing is there for multifamily right now. And so that's where the money is. And that's, yeah. that's. Yeah. Are y'all working on any multifamily? We're doing projects? a little bit of multifamily. Multifamily is typically wood construction, and that's not as exciting for us as steel or concrete. Oh, masonry, y'all got so. a, a desired. Uh, yeah, <laughs> wood is not it. Huh? Well, again, we like wood. We have nothing against wood. It's yeah. just the other things are more fun. All right. Well, unfortunately, we've come to the end of our time. I know we could probably talk another half hour with you, and um, and we didn't get into as much on the uh, on some of the topics I'd like to. But uh, I, most of our listeners are probably not going to be your clients or customers. But if someone out there is listening to us, an architect, a developer, and wants to get a hold of you, how should they how should they contact you? Yeah, please check out check out our website. It's sheer S H E A R structural.com or we're on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and that's at Sheer Structural. So yeah, right. be great. Well thank you so much for coming thank on. Thank you. Eric, any parting words of wisdom? It's not if but when. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love it. You've been listening to Between Two Trains. Check us out on the 1st and 15th of every month. Have a good one.